you had him on again, Bill. Where's Wonders? It isn't the same big old tuna that broke his heart. You've hooked him five times since New Year, right? Four. Why don't you give him a name? Me and the boys were saying you should give him a name. I already gave him a name. the fish in your head do not kill the man this week on the pool scene podcast the wtf season continues that's an understatement with this one as we cover the worst movie of 2019 a movie that pulls reference from moby dick old man in the sea the rhyme of the ancient mariner and shakespeare's the tempest got the two leads nominated for worst actor and worst <laughs> actress all of that said, I love this one. I did not think I would enjoy it as much as I did. It's a wild ride, man. But let me tell you, I didn't think McConaughey was that bad. Anne Hathaway, fucking dreadful. It's so bold in how dumb it is. Like, it takes... It um, knows it is a major swing. It misses terribly. And I love it for that because it's original IP. It's not or it's not like IP. It's an original concept. Please give me more original ideas. What I appreciate about this movie is I didn't even construct all my notes for the show until after I watched it because I didn't want to know anything. Yeah. Holy shit. Can you imagine if you went into this movie, you paid to see this blind and not had like a creative inkling in your head? Like, where is this going? You'd be like, I want my fucking money back uh, we're gonna talk a little bit more about yes that. we will first i am kevin i'm joined by jim hey now again this is the pool scene podcast we are discussing serenity from 2019 great godsmack song not to be confused with the serenity movie associated with firefly this is definitely its own thing that nothing else wants to be associated with serenity was written produced and directed by stephen knight Knight, known more as a writer with only a few directing credits, probably best known for writing Eastern Promises from 2007. Knight genuinely describes Serenity as, quote, a sexy fishing noir. Explain something to me. Sans Diane Lane, who I consider the MILF of all time. What is sexy about this movie? Like you see him bare assed McConaughey's buns and uh, then McConaughey uh, doing Anne Hathaway and saying, I win. I beat him. I win. <laughs> After he does it. That's the weirdest thing ever. He's yeah. like, he pulled out. He, he pulled out and he says, I win. Is that because he didn't finish inside her? He's like, I'm out. I win. <laughs> I win. I, I, I don't know. What Not again. About. Following poor test screenings, Averon Pictures pulled all promotion and advertising efforts. Release was also pushed back to the bad sign graveyard of movie releases the month of October. Uh. Jim, let us know how no advertising affected the budget box office and let us know the news and number ones at time of release. From WUAB, Channel 43, where the news comes first. This is the 10 o'clock news. Serenity, or as Godsmack would say, 
I need serenity. Came out January the 25th in the year of our Lord, 2019, the world before COVID. Our Twi- Lord Patrick. Yeah. Oh my the, God. The creator of this universe. Let me tell you, I got a lot to say about that kid because there's issues. Had a $25 million budget and it made a whopping $14 million at the box I'm office. I'm surprised they made $14 million. I'm surprised it made $4 million because With no advertising. But again, no advertising. But then you see a movie like... Go to the movie theater and you're like, what's Serenity? Matthew McConaughey. Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway. Diane Lane. Jimon Hunsu. Like, yeah. Weird. Why Big didn't time. this movie get advertised? This is why. <laughs> I have no idea. So since this movie was only three years ago, I'm going to throw it to a little video game news. Giantbomb.com, my favorite video game website, announced Outer Wilds as the video game of the year. I think it's in association with how weird and bonkers this movie is. Outer Wilds is also Outer Wilds. Outer Wilds. I don't even know that. Game. Great game. Has a lot to do with time and like an outer type world that you're controlling as like an overseer and Patrick. like this kevin there's this big fish in this movie that matthew mcconaughey is trying to get matthew mcconaughey that has two names apparently do you happen to know what the largest fish ever caught was oh i don't know i have no idea so the largest fish ever caught according to igfa records not the grocery store the largest fish ever caught was a great white shark that weighed an unbelievable 2600 wow 64 pounds for our metric speaking friends out there. 1,208.389 kilograms caught off the coast of Sedunia, Australia. Metric speaking. Yes, metric speaking. Uh, I did see they caught a 65 pound goldfish, which was kind of cool. But see, I knew you were probably going to go. I wouldn't. I don't call a shark a fish. It's a mammal. It's a mammal, but it's it's a shark. Yeah. You know, to me, a fish would be like a tuna or a salmon or something. Yeah. Into the news, Empire star Jesse Smollett. Oh, no. Yeah. Suffers suspected racist and homophobic attack in Chicago, later determined to be a self-perpetrated hoax. That was huge in the news because, man, did that blow Oh, it up. was such a bad thing to happen because then, you know, the, the rednecks out there. Of course. My, my race racist uncle still uses the Jussie Smollett or whatever and it just just was the it set back you know the the movement. In lighter news Kevin Canadian astronomers report fast radio bursts of probable extra galactic origin one repeating six times at the Chime Observatory in British Columbia. I don't know if this was a you know a contact thing I don't know if Ellie Arroway was getting contact with our boy. It was the Guardians of the Galaxy. (laughs) Which it wasn't HR Haddon. They've got the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy have a Christmas special coming up in a couple of weeks. I saw that. Is it? I, actually, ju- I don't even think it's a couple of weeks. I think it's a couple of days. Is I it- think by the time this episode comes out, it might be out. Wait, is it just is it just Dave Batista and that other girl, or is it everybody? I think it's everybody. Okay, so I saw a clip. Supposedly, it's going to set the course. Like it's almost required viewing. Like you will need to see the Christmas special kind of to know you know what the setting is for, for the third for volume. Third yep. Bad news, but it became good. Jair Bolsonaro begins his four-year term as president of Brazil. They just voted his shitty ass out. Good. Good job, Brazil. I hope you win the World Cup. 
Also, Kevin, China executes Dai Dongjia, the country's godfather of crystal meth. Whoa, that's a hell of a title. One guy who was never on crystal meth, but he's a godfather of sports. George, what is up? Good evening, everybody. I'm George Michael. Welcome to the Sports Machine. Now the relevance with the World Cup, United States international Christian Pusilic becomes the most expensive American soccer player when he moves from Bort Russia Dortmund to Chelsea for $73 million. Huge. Captain America himself. How did he do? How did he fare in that first game against... Pretty good. Wales. He, he's good. He's not a world-class player. Tyler Adams, world-class player. But Pulisic, pretty good. Gonna have a little fun here. We're gonna do our movie and the song segment. Kevin, for the top movies, give me a number between 1 and 25. 14. Your 14th ranked movie in January of 2019, Ralph Breaks the Internet. Yeah, all right. $18.6 million made. All right, Kevin. For your billboard chart, give me one to a hundred. Four. Number four on the billboard chart, January 2019. Sicko Mode by Travis Scott is your number four song. Gone on you with the pick and roll. Younger Flame here in Sicko Mode. Let me tell you, back in the day, DJing this stuff, I stopped listening to it. It, just, <laughs> it sounded like the same shit yeah. over and over and over again. What was the number one song at that the time? The number one song is Without Me by Halsey, then Thank You Next, Ariana Grande. Uh, bacon eggs. That's right. I'm so fucking thankful for my <laughs> eggs. Bacon eggs. <laughs> That's all that was going on January 2019, the world before it ended. All right, Jim, uh, that was interesting. I like to hear the recent news as well as the throwback news. Let's chum the waters and see if we can catch a plot. Another beautiful day on Plymouth Island. Tuna albacore sword ready to catch clear blue skies. This is the story of Baker Dill, <laughs> a fishing boat captain who leads Fucking name. chartered boat excursions. He seemingly lives a mostly quiet life, making the rounds between the bar, the fishing gear store. Oh, and being a gigolo to only one client question mark. Yeah. All of this takes place on a tropical enclave called Plymouth Island. Baker is obsessed with catching an elusive fish, specifically a mammoth yellowfin tuna who he refers to as Justice, a fish named Justice. One day, Baker's ex-wife tracks him down on Plymouth Island where we learn Baker Dill, not his real identity. <gasps> Karen, his ex-wife, is in an abusive marriage to a rich, powerful man named Frank. Karen asks Baker to help their son that they share by killing Frank, throwing him overboard the Serenity to make it look like an accident. In exchange, she'll give him $10 million. Oh, cash. baby. John, saving Patrick is the reason I'm here. I'm the hell now, John. This can be just business. You need money. Me and Patrick need a way out. My husband is joining me here the day after tomorrow. I told him that I would charter a boat for fishing tuna. I want you to take him out on your boat. Let him get drunk. 
then drop him in the ocean for the sharks. In return, I will give you $10 million cash. He struggles between his morals and his desire to help their son, Patrick. And everyone else in town is like, Baker, you can't kill that guy. Just catch the fish. They all know. Don't kill the guy. It's a small town. Everybody knows everything. Exactly. Pretty straightforward so far, no? Oh, yeah, big time. Well, whoop, here it is. (laughs) It is revealed that Baker Dill is a character in a video game created by Patrick, his son. And Baker is actually John Mason, U.S. Marine Corps captain who was killed in Iraq in 2006. Motherfucker, what the fuck? That's what you want, right? Just got so many holes in my memory. I don't know what they're from, the war, the rum. I mean, I don't even remember how the hell I got here. But I remember you. You were three years old. We went fishing. We didn't catch a damn thing. I remember I got so mad. Maybe that's why you made me like I am, huh? Mad as hell to catch that damn fish. Yeah, but lately I've been having this thing in my memory where I... where I see myself. Laying dead in the sand. Patrick based the character on a happy memory of when his dad took him fishing when he was only three. Yeah. Patrick's mom is actually married to Frank in real life. Same situation and is abused. So all of it, all of this is based on Patrick's home life. Up until this point, the video game is a fishing game. All the non-playable characters encourage Baker to not murder Frank, but to catch the fish. They even try to sabotage Baker. Baker is in crisis, realizing the truths of his world, but now more than ever realizes what he needs to do for his son. Baker gets justice on the hook, gives the pole to an injured, very drunk Frank, who gets pulled overboard to his death. In real life, Patrick kills Frank, the real Frank, by stabbing him in the chest with his dad's knife. Patrick is charged with murder, but released into his mom's custody, awaiting trial he designs a new game where he reunites with his dad do not understand that but no we will not talk at all about. let's move on to characters matthew mcconaughey is john mason slash baker dill a little premature logic not about the film but the making of the film why did anyone sign on <laughs> why did anyone read this and be like yes yeah, sign me up for that why did you choose this role and what do you want folks to know about this film i'm always looking for originality right and something unique but also something that I want to see if I've got 20 films to choose from in front of a theater. What's the first one I want to go see? Mm-hmm. So that's the scripts I've been choosing. And this is another one of those. This is the kind of movie. I Remember Angel Heart, Mickey Rourke, of Lisa Bonell? Sure, yeah. He's playing a detective in his own life, trying to understand if he's real or if the world he is in is real. Right. This is similar. Body Heat. Uh, this um, did feel like Body Heat yeah, to me. Yeah, yeah it's got feel that like double deal. indemnity. Yes. Um, and it, it, And along the way... It's dangerous, it's sexy, it's fun, but it's, it's again, you, I watch it and I have quite a few way, whoa, in the middle of it. And then at the end when I finally get the big answer. McConaughey said about the script that he put together a great script. One, I found thrilling. 
One that I said, oh, that's a film I want to see. He that, didn't understand it. I guarantee it. That I enjoyed reading over and over through pre-production and now. He was very upset that it flopped. Like, he literally was very angry that this movie didn't make any money. The writing was on the wall that this was going to flop. Anne Hathaway as Karen Zariakis. Ugh. Hathaway was stoked to be offered the role because she sees herself as a girl next door, not the Hollywood blonde bombshell the character was supposed to be. Diane Lane as Constance. Mm. My boo. Uma Thurman originally cast in this role. Whoa, okay. Jason Clark as Frank Zariakis. He went full force. It must have been his Al Pacino wardrobe that got him in the zone. Because he was very much in the zone in this one. Yeah. Diamond Hunsu as Duke. Jeremy Strong as Reed Miller. Uh, Gary and Dowd's as Samson. And which actor or actress gives a past performance? Does any non-lead character steal scenes? I really liked Reed. I thought Reed was yeah. my favorite character. Same with me. The it's- rules master. My name is Reed Miller from Fontaine, the boat and fishing tackle suppliers. I'm a technical representative and head of regional sales in the latitudes that include Plymouth. May I come in and talk to you? It's 2.30 in the morning. You're out at sea mostly. I keep missing you by a bigger margin every time. But with the storm keeping you ashore, I thought I'd take my opportunity. What I have in my hands may change your life and give you the one thing you've always wanted. Uh, that sounds great, Reed. Got kind of a big day tomorrow. Yes, Mr. Dill. I know all about your big day. And I think you should hear what I have to say. Jeremy Strong from Succession. And it's funny because the first time I seen I saw this movie, I had not seen Succession yet. And then I watched Succession and I watched this again. That's like a different person. It's like initially he's almost very like programmed robotic. Yeah. He's there for one thing to enforce the rules and ask why are you changing the program? Let's give him a fish finder. But I like how near the end of the movie he comes around almost more human than program, yeah. which is I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I like that scene where they're sitting on the little sandbar. Oh, yeah. And is he there? Is he not really there? You know, that's kind of cool. And then when he basically is just like, fuck it. All right. Well, that's also mine. So let's move on. Jim, go ahead and give us your first best scene. Find out what made a splash. Okay. For me, sticking with Reed, it's when Reed reveals to Baker what is actually going on. Mr. Dill, if you have to kill me, then kill me. But I'm just playing my part in the game. This game, don't you get it? Someone made the whole thing up. All of this. Plymouth Island is a game. When he shows up at his house, pouring down rain in the electrical storm at 2.30 in the morning, when he wants to sell him the fish finder, and then he just breaks down We've essentially seen Reed in every scene at this point. Every single scene. So every time you see Baker, Reed's always running down the dock or trying to find him in traffic or like always goes where Baker is and he's trying to get his attention. And he finally catches up to him to give him essentially, like it's, what is it, 3 in the morning? It's 2.30 in the morning. Yeah, 2.30 in the morning. He lets him in. He basically drinks. He starts drinking alcohol. He says I shouldn't be drinking and he wants to give him a fish finder. Mm -hmm. And that's when McConaughey Baker's like, why do you want me to catch this fish so bad? Oh yeah. He's like, I'll give it to you for free. It's like, but why? And he basically slips up, must've been the booze. And he tells him you're living in a simulation, you know? Well, he slips and says, I'm the rules. And then he goes, well, these aren't the rules. Yeah. 
I have the opening scene. So Baker, he takes paying customers out on a fishing excursion that they paid $700 for. <laughs> I love this. But scene. when he thinks he has a chance at catching the uncatchable fish, which he calls justice, he won't turn over the rod to the customers. Oh, fuck. Right. Dude, get the fight, Jack. Ah. Damn, what are you doing? The hook is set. You're going to have to hand over the rod to the paying customer. No, dude. It's him. Possibly know it's some fish. I can feel it. You take the wheel and hold her steady. Okay, sir. Huh? Can I take over the ride now, please? Here we go, baby. Sir, we paid you 700 bucks for this. Dear, you struck his hook to get out of the chair and give the men the rod. This is my brother's fish, sir. Get off the fucking chair. Get in the hole. Oh, man. Sit down and shut the fuck up, the both of you. We paid you 700 plus gas. Threats him with a knife. Yeah, he threatens him with a knife, and then he basically says, he tells Duke, he says, lock him up, you know, throw him in the head or whatever. They demand to take over, he threatens him with a knife. It's just, it's a funny scene because it shows his obsession with this fish. It's almost like Captain Ahab trying yeah, to get his whale. Exactly, but at the same time, it sets up, it foreshadows the scene later yeah. with, with Frank. Baker and Reed sitting on the log of the sandbar, agreeing to change the rules of the game with Reed. So that's the new game. Your new compulsion. Yeah. Real, not real, I don't give a fuck. He wants me to do it, he needs me to do it, I'm gonna do it. It's called justice or something like that. I'm doing it. Well, if that's the new rule, I should help you. Fuck fish finders, right? Consuela told Lois, who told me, in spite of all the obstacles that have been thrown in her way, Karen has persuaded Zariakis to be on the boat at noon. If the game is to kill him, you don't have much time. Like you said, one scene he's there, the next scene he's not. You see his, his shoes go into the ocean. And it's basically Baker coming to grips with things even more and Reed accepting the fact that, all right, if you're going to change the rules of this game, let's just fucking go in 100%. We're going to kill him. Do it. Yeah. That's how it's so going to be. The twist happens in this movie, probably halfway through three quarters of the way through. So we still have a decent amount of movie left. And I love the whole unraveling of Baker Dill. Oh yeah. Because he goes to the bar and he like drinks a whole bottle and, or, well, smokes like a chimney. Yeah, they had stocked his boat with booze. He drank it all. And the bartender's like, this is more than you usually drink or whatever. He's like, I want more. Then he goes for a drive. And then out of nowhere, Constance's son just pops running down up. Empty just, road. Yeah, basically spawns literally out of nowhere. He's like, I'm here to help you. And he's like, no. And then he drives back. He has the moment on sandbar. It's just Baker questioning. He's in crisis mode, questioning everything. I also like the fact, and correct me, I'm wrong, Kevin, because you know this. I only saw it the one time where it's revealed to him why he's called Baker Dill. He had a classmate named Dylan Baker. Yeah, his favorite teacher favorite was Dylan teacher Baker. Favorite Dylan Baker. actually is Patrick's principal. Is oh, Dylan okay, Baker. okay, yeah. okay, okay. I have the night before taking Frank out for the second time. Before this gets any crazier, here's the deal. I will take him out tomorrow. He will drink. He will fall overboard. Sharks will get the heat. And I will get 10 million in cash. Afterwards, I will go somewhere. He will bring my son to me. And then we'll see what happens. 
Don't you bullshit me about love. I'm doing this for him, Patrick, my son, you and me. I'm not part of the deal. Okay. Okay. People don't change. Karen shows up on Baker's boat. Baker lays out his demands for agreeing to kill her husband. And then they have some of the sex. But it's like a really awkward sex okay. scene. It's, he sees the abuse scratches on her back. And I'm thinking while watching this, okay, he's going to stop, be compassionate. No, it just yeah. seemed to fucking turn him on more. And he does the, I win. I win. I pulled out. <laughs> but then, so while this is happening, Baker has finally convinced himself to go through with this. And he's going to kill Frank. Meanwhile, Duke tries to sabotage it. He tries to take the decision out of Baker's hands. He made some arrangements. He won't be coming. What arrangements? What happened? Oh, oh no, so He used my $2,000 to pay some Argentinian cannery guy to break his hand. You fucking what? Fucking six of them against me. You what? I didn't do it to save him. I did it to save you. No. No, Duke. No, you didn't fucking do that. And he has like some fishermen try to kill Frank. Beat the shit out they of him. They break his hand. They like beat him to a pulp. Karen actually thinks he's dead already. And then he responds. And then she like gets him full of booze and forces him out. Because he was done. He was like, yeah. I don't need to go. She has to call him daddy 50 times. So my last one is the whole, the whole amalgamation of the end of the movie. He goes through with it. You know, he kills Frank. And then you see everything between the virtual world start changing. And then you see his son in the real world go through with it to kill Frank. You don't see it happen, but you hear it. In the Pompano Beach area of Miami last night, police responding to a 911 call arrested a 13-year-old juvenile, Patrick Zariakis, on a charge of second-degree murder. The boy's stepfather, Frank Zariakis, a construction worker, was found with a single knife wound to the chest. Patrick's mother, Karen Zariakis, claimed she and her son had been the victims of domestic violence for many years. She claims Patrick acted in self-defense and to protect his mother during a drunken assault. And then that very last scene where you see his son run to the dock and grab his dad and just hug and embrace. Dude, that slightly choked me up a bit. I'm like, fuck. My wife cried. And yeah. I'm like, when she's seen this before and yeah. she cried and I'm just like, I thought it was ridiculous. Like, not that it's not emotional, but it's just the, yeah. the movie is so bad. Oh, it's, it's bad. Just, but it's, it's yeah, it gets you at the end. Well, no pool, but, <laughs> but essentially it is a pool because it is just a, a fake ocean. It's the Earth's pool. Yeah. So don't take any rum. Follow the rules. Your money isn't worth shit here. <laughs> All right, we're going to put out a massive spoiler alert here. Huge. Um, Jim will tell you how far we're going to skip forward if you don't want to hear this. Yes. We are going to do the best movie plot twists, which explains it. We're going to spoil <laughs> a lot of movies. Big time. We may even spoil some movies for each other. We don't know. But uh, we're going to talk about best plot twist. It's just all M. Night Shyamalan movies. <laughs> so if you don't want to have these spoiled for you, just skip ahead and uh, join us on the other side. Warning. Warning. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. You are about to be inundated with spoilers. Be warned. This is your final warning. Spoiler alert.
All right, I'll go first. My number five, Memento. So Christopher Nolan movie about a guy who has short-term memory loss. He cannot remember anything. He has to write himself notes. He gets tattoos of things. But the movie's told in a very weird, like it's almost told in reverse, but it's like the first section or the last section of the last scene is the first of the next scene because it's told in reverse. We get to the end of the movie, which is actually the beginning. And Guy Pierce's character is looking for the man who raped and murdered his wife, John G. But what you find out is when he finally gets John G, it's not the John G. He's done this several times. He's killed multiple John G's because he always has to be like on the hunt, like because he has a short-term memory loss. He burns his own evidence and clues so that he just starts over every time. It's pretty, it's a pretty cool plot twist. My number five, great movie, Christian Bale, American Psycho. Okay. So what I like about this is it's that overarching question. Is he or is he not Patrick Bateman? That's the overarching question. He's maniacal. He's that 80s yuppie who is very pomp, very circumstance, got the money, very Wall Street. And then throughout the movie, he starts mentally breaking down and he thinks he's somebody else. And near the end, he doesn't believe who he is. People say, I've already talked to Patrick. He's not there. And you don't know unless you read the books, probably because I never read the books. Books are nuts. If he's Patrick Bateman or if he's not Patrick Bateman. Well, he's Patrick Bateman, but is he a multiple personality? People? Is he going through with the things that he thinks he is? Yeah. You know, is the ATM really telling him to feed it a cat? Yeah. Uh, my number four usual suspects. So the FBI, they're investigating a shooting and a boat fire. 27 bodies have been recovered. There's two survivors. So basically we see the police and the FBI interviewing these two survivors. One of the survivors, he's crippled. He's being interviewed and he's telling the police what he knows and the whole story. But when you get to the end, you find out he's actually like leading them astray and he walks with his limp, but then as he gets up to walk with a limp, once he's outside of the police station, he starts walking upright and with a pace. And it turns out that this guy is the crime boss, Kaiser Sose. He walks free out of the police station, loses the limp. It's executed a lot better than I can explain it. But it's just like the bad guy is the narrator. It's the perfect example of unreliable narrator because we believe what he's saying until the end. And we find out, oh, it was him all along. My next one, kind of a softball fight club. He yeah. is Tyler Durden, yeah. the entire higher time once again multiple personality he's the normal guy by day but by night it's fight club and he's tyler durden and that one of that last scenes it's been so long since i've seen it aren't they looking at the city blowing up and it's literally him being who he really is is tyler durden brad pitt great movie yeah it's one of those ones like another one i'm sure will come up where the first time you watch it you don't really catch on and then the next time you watch it and you know and then you watch it back you're kind of like i should have caught it yeah i got it number three old boy okay so i'm I'm going to go with the <laughs> Korean one from 2003. The American remake is a little bit different in Josh some ways. Brolin. Amazing movie. Both of them are good. So like this businessman, he's kidnapped. He missed his young daughter's birthday. I think she's three or four. And he wakes up in a sealed room where like he's fed. He has a bathroom, it's basically like a hotel room, but he just can't get out. At one point, he tries to kill himself. He tries to get out, but he's basically imprisoned here. While he's imprisoned, he's framed for the murder of his wife. So 
once if he ever gets out he's a fugitive but one day he's drugged and unexplainably released after 15 years so he tracks down information to find out basically he knows the food that he ate and he finds the restaurant that was supplying the food and gets information from them to find out this is like a private prison where you can pay to have someone kidnapped and imprisoned like if you pay you can have your enemy like locked up so he's been imprisoned and basically figures out the person who had him in prison is someone he went to high school with because he told people that this guy he saw him having an incestuous relationship with his sister so this other student like spread all these rumors the sister ended up killing herself because she was embarrassed that she was having a relationship with her brother it was this whole thing so the guy's like all right i'm gonna get revenge i'm gonna imprison you i'm gonna kill your wife i'm gonna you know take you away from your daughter so after he gets out and he's like on the trail and he's hunting down he starts this relationship with this woman and he falls in love with her and they have sex and the whole thing well the twist obviously is that the woman he falls in love with and is having sex with is his daughter oh and so the guy who imprisoned him kind of like drugged her and set the whole thing up so that they would meet so that he finally like that's full circle revenge he didn't want to just imprison him and take his life away he wanted him to feel the same thing that he felt Uh, Yeah. So he could relate to being in love with your, you know, having an incestuous relationship. So it's nuts. It's like, I mean, you kind of like, you don't ever say like, oh, I bet he's fucking his daughter. No. You never, you know what I mean? But like in the back of your mind, I think you know it. So crazy one. My next one, bit of a curveball. It's a song, Kevin. It's Human by the Human League. Oh, wow. So here's a curveball. The lyrics of the song, I bet you a lot of you are all familiar with it. I'll play a little bit right now. In the song, he admits that he cheated on his girlfriend. I'm only human. I'm flesh and blood. I'm man. But during the female breakdown, she admits she is also too human. Yeah. I forgive you. Now I ask the same of you. While we were apart, I was human too. So she openly admits, hey, you cheated on me. I know. But guess what? I cheated on you, too. And you had no idea. I guess we're both human. Wow. Well, if we were going to pick songs, you could have done the Pina Colada song. <laughs> Getting caught he puts in the rain. an ad in the paper to find a new woman. And then the person that answers the ad is his current girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> How crazy is that? My number two, probably everyone's number one, The Sixth Sense. The main character, Bruce Willis, is dead the whole time. Fucking dead. And the twist makes you feel so dumb the second time you watched it because like he can see dead people like well the he's like a psychiatrist and was his brother there was like a yeah, shooting there was and a then, shooting like, he talks to Haley Joe Osment this whole movie and hangs out with him and stuff Haley Joe Osment says I see dead people but you never put you're we're two, all two so stupid yeah because when he says I see dead people you don't you think Bruce Willis is excluded from that but then we all fell for it the first time thanks midnight show you watched it you watched it the second time and you're like okay this makes t- yeah. I'm I'm an idiot. Yeah, I'm dumb. So my second one, my second from the top, planes, trains, and automobiles. Okay. So the curveball for this holiday movie coming up, the whole time when Neil and 
Adele. They're going across country trip to try to get Neil back home to his family for the holidays. And Dell says, you know, I'm a shower curtain ring salesman. I haven't seen my wife in years. You know, he's dropping hints that he has not been home at all. The very end at the subway station, they're back in Chicago and Neil goes home and Neil starts reminiscing about this trip he had, which initially he hated. He could not stand this man, but he grew friendly with him and saw him as a dear friend. Then you start seeing these clips where you hear Dell. Well, I haven't seen my wife in years. I haven't seen my family. Something clicks in his head. He comes back and he sees Dell still sitting there. Dell, what are you doing here? Why haven't you left? And that's when he admits his wife's been dead for eight years. He doesn't have a home. He's just been yeah. traveling from hotel to hotel. Every time I've watched that movie, it breaks me, yeah. that scene right there. And then when you see him help Dell carry his truck, you're coming home with me. You're having dinner with my family. Yep. And when his wife's at the top of the stairs, hello, Mr. Griffith. And hello, Mrs. Page. It's like, oh, yeah. God. That's me. That's me this weekend. One of my coworkers was like, well, we can send out some extra plates if you want to come to our house. And I was like, no, we're <laughs> at a fucking Denny's or something. We'll see. Give me a shower curtain ring salesman. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, my number one, one of my favorite movies, The Prestige. So I started and ended with Christopher Nolan. Basically, it's about two rival magicians who have this disappearing man trick. So the one magician is so obsessed, so obsessed with finding out how the other guy does the trick that essentially he has Nikola Tesla, Tesla invent a cloning machine so that he can do the trick. And every night he has to kill the clone he's created. And it's insane, but that's not the twist. When he finally gets the chance, he's on his, he's been shot. He's on his deathbed. He asks the other magician, how did you do it? And he had a twin the whole time, but his arrogance refused to allow himself to believe it. He was told multiple times he has a twin and he's like, it's too easy. I've he, always wanted to see this. Oh, it's incredible. I just ruined it, but it is That's such right. a fantastic movie. But he's like, it, it can't be a twin. He's like, it's too obvious. He doesn't have a twin. Another one that when you watch it the sec second time, it's fucking amazing. Cause sometimes he has this amazing relationship with his wife and sometimes they fight and hate each other and he's having an affair and they explain it in the end. The one that loved his wife is the, the real one, the twin, like they even kept it a secret from their spouses. Yeah. It's insane. What an amazing movie about, you know, m magic and a dedication to a craft. I love that one. So my number one, because this is how I put two and two together with this movie. It's saying elsewhere. Yeah. Now, growing up as a kid, I remember watching a show and really liking it. I liked medical shows. Even as a little kid, I didn't understand much. And then getting older, you know, watching it again, I'm like, boy, you connect to these characters, you connect to this hospital. And then at the end, you find out it was all made up. Yeah. It was all in a snow globe. When you get older, you find out how brilliant it was. It was an autistic kid who was a patient who literally conceived every character in this hospital, all their backstories, and you find out that it was all in a snow it's, globe, all a memory. He it created kind of it. pisses you off. You it know? pisses you off. It's like the Jacob's Ladder thing where yeah. it's like, oh, they were all dead. At this point, they all died and it was all fake after that. But that's it's like, that show was on for, I think, eight years. Yeah. And you connect to these guys like yeah. Denzel Washington. It's a star-studded cast. None of it's real. Howie Mandel. I threw him in there. <laughs> but you find out, you connect to all this, and you even connect to the inanimate object that's the hospital. Yeah. Fake. 
None of it's real. Nope. Yeah, pretty, pretty sad. So uh, honorable mention seven. Oh, David yeah. David Fincher. You find out John Doe's got the upper hand. Donnie Darko is a good one. Uh, Jim, I'd like you to watch that one, so I'm not going to spoil Moon. Uh, Duncan oh, Jones. Yeah. David Bowie's son. Basically, this guy's like super excited to come home from the moon. And when his shift's up, but you, you find out he never really gets to come home because it's clones and they just kill the the last one and then the new one takes over and then they kill that one and then that one takes over. I got another Edward Norton one, Primal Fear with Richard. Yeah. Gear. Yep. He's a serial. Oh, he's, he's a, great. No, he's a killer, but he once again split personality. Yep. It's a fucking amazing movie. Darth Vader is Luke's father. Oh yeah, the ultimate. Friday the Thirteenth. It's Mrs. Voorhees. <gasps> yeah. And you got any other honorable mentions? No, not at all. I mean, anything by M Night Shyamalan. Midnight. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> All good. Like, uh, what's that one with, um, it's the continuation. So you've got unbreakable, unbreakable, which is an awesome, one of my favorite. They came out with glass glass. And then what's the one with, um, most recent one was old. Yeah. Old is not good. Yeah. All of his stuff becomes, Oh, we did the happening on this show. Well, Lance (laughs) does not make our list. No. All right. Well, let's get back in the pool. See if we can catch justice. Catch David Justice. Best, yes! best Matthew McConaughey movie or performance. <sighs> Let's see. Partiality, Magic Mike, but maybe Lincoln Lawyer. I've got Dallas Buyers Club. I've never seen it, so I don't know. Incredible. Talk about tearjerker. Incredible movie. His weight just to me is never, never been recovered. the same. He lost so much weight for that movie that I feel like he ne- he aged himself ten years yeah. because he never recovered from being that. Yet skinny. somehow Bale did it when he did the Machinist to Bale, Batman. Bale was like 110 pounds yeah. eating a can of tuna and apple every day, and then somehow and black coffee, and then somehow he got to be like 230. 30 pounds for Batman. Yeah. He gained 120 pounds of muscle. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Watch Dallas Buyers Club. Strongly recommend that one. He won the Oscar for it. But that's not my critical question. My critical question. Do you think that the game in this movie is more Sims or Grand Theft Auto? Well, like, cause hmm. the game is, I mean, all we see Patrick doing is like coding. So like your playable character would just be a fisherman. Yeah. Walking around this island, buying your fishing supplies and like fishing. It's almost more based like The Sims. Yeah. Because in Grand Theft Auto, nobody really knows who the hell you are. In The Sims, everybody yeah, knows who you right. are. It's, and there's a set way to do things. So it's a little bit of The Sims, but it's like a fishing simulator until he gets the idea to kill his 
And then it becomes GTA. Yeah, and then it's kind of like Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. yeah. Do not want him on my fishing boat, Mr. David McCall. Hey, you made $10 million. Get on my boat. Get all the rum. I'll bring my buddy Jaiman Honshu and I'll fucking kill you. It all could have been different, Mr. Walker. You should have allowed nature to take its course. Well, if someone needed to kill Frank, he probably would have been a good candidate. <laughs> no shit. He would have, wouldn't have struggled morally with it. He would have said, all right, I'll do it. Yeah. He I'll just would have went out there and just probably shot him or something. Hey, Ann, you want me to fucking kill him? I'll do it. Let's go, all right? Big fish. All right, logic. So the whole thing is a video game designed by a kid, Patrick. Yeah. And the kid's dad is the main character, who is a gigolo. So the son makes his dad fuck women for money. Yeah, I was going to bring this up. Why does he think of his dad in such a sexual manner? Yeah. Like, his dad goes to take a shower by oh jumping off a God. fucking cliff naked. He sees his son, so his son gets his dad naked. Why does he have his dad fucking the MILF? He's banging his mom. This, what? This kid's reference for his dad, I mean, he really only knew him until he was like three, so his reference <laughs> for his dad is like, my dad's going to catch big fish, he's going to fuck women, and they're going to pay him for it. Yeah, it's He's like, fucking look, he smokes like a chimney. Yeah, Love this guy. He's going to fuck my mom <laughs> and he's going to say I win. But he also, pro- so he loves his mom, obviously, and he's willing to kill for it. Kills his stepdad in real life. But he also programs his mom to constantly call his stepdad daddy. <sighs> the stepdad that he hates, so his weird. mom constantly, like, because you have to think of any scene we're seeing in this movie is in the video game. So all of this happens in the video game. The one thing I thought too, and maybe I'm reading too much into this and you might be able to say if I am or not. She wears white all the time with the exception of when she shows up at the boat and they have sexy time. She's in all black. Is there some sort of correlation where he sees his mom as the angelic character I, I th- until she decides to go evil? And I think so. And I also think it has to do with them wanting to make a noir. Okay. So it's just kind of like classic noir. Sexy fish noir. Yeah, sexy fishing noir with a, a gigolo and his <laughs> buns. Uh, how much is Diane Lane paying Baker for sex? Because I, she, it's not even like he, you know, gives her an invoice. No. She, she kind of just is like, you fuck me and I give you money when you need it. And then he has a tab at the fishing store. I'm thinking 200, 300 bucks. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's weird. It is weird. His lifestyle is weird because he just, like I said, he, he goes to the fishing store. He goes on the <laughs> fishing boat. This is what Patrick I, is a programmer. I need him to explain to me. So his dad runs up a tab at the fishing store. He pays off his tab, immediately starts another tab. Yeah. Why not just have one big ass tab and go, I'll get you tomorrow. Yeah, right. This is why. Well, once once he decides he's going to kill Frank, the lady at the fishing store is like, I, I got these hooks for you. I'll give them to you for free. Well, it's like her character breaks and yeah. there's a long pause and then she's like, I'll see you later. Yeah. It's so weird. I love the shots of him driving around this little town. Yeah. It's it's awesome. It was uh, shot in Mauritius. Okay. I don't even know where that's at, but shot in Mauritius. It's this little island. I'm like, that'd be super cool to go to. So let's go back to, he showers by jumping off a cliff into the ocean, into salt water. Yeah. So he's shower which is probably a bath yeah he's not getting clean because he's not taking like soap and shampoo he's swimming he literally jumps he walks out of it he lives in like a shipping container he walks out of a shipping container he jumps off the cliff could have made him a better house underwater he can communicate echo the dolphin style with his son <laughs> they can talk through the Who water was also naked Who's also naked. <laughs> They're swimming the at each other naked. It's weird. You see his moans, Vernus. Okay. This is where we get the N64 style Z button view changes yes. or the, the R and L like view. Like, yeah. 
type of changes. And you're wondering like, what was that about? That was weird. But somehow after he showers, quote, he has to get back up to a shipping container. Unless he's storing like robes and towels down there. He has to walk back up this cliff. I think he has has a waypoint. He just is able to zap. Well, right. There you go. So, (laughs) and see, he doesn't notice because it's like, he doesn't know how he got there. It's sort of like the inception thing. Like when you're in a dream, you don't really, there's like stuff with where when, when he realizes it's the game, he starts trying to beat it. He starts trying to stay up later or get up earlier or whatever. And he can't because it's just always going to set back. I have one. If Reed is the rules, he is the rules basis of the game. Are we to think Reed operates outside of the boundaries of the rules? Because why does he let his program decide to defy the rules of the game by having Baker agree to have him kill? What's his name? Well, it's weird. Frank. It's weird that they, none of them want this to happen because this is what the creator of the game wants to happen. Yeah. So does it mean like the end for them? So if Baker changes the game by killing Frank, it becomes a new game. They're not like if the game becomes about killing and it's a whole new thing. Well, then the fishing boat store lady doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Because we see that at the end, he transforms the game. But are we also to think that when he's sitting on that sandbar talking to read yeah that he is talking to a manifestation of Reed and Reed's not really there so he can justify his way, his ends, you know? I, I think of Reed as like the Microsoft paperclip that used to jump <laughs> up and ask for if you wanted help. Maybe we're, I'm reading way too much into this and giving us way too much credit. I like the giant map that's just the ocean and a little dot of Plymouth on it. When That's it. It's like he's never looked at this map. At all. It's on his fucking wall. He takes this map off the wall. He unrolls it on the table <laughs> and he looks and the world is literally just Plymouth. Yeah, that's it. All right. All right. All right. I love Well, Baker seems to accept pretty easily that it's a video game. Like he doesn't like put up too much of a fight. He's kind of just like, all right, that makes sense. I love the last ditch effort by the guy on the radio when he's like, come back, Baker deal. All your friends want you to catch that fish. (laughs) It's like so stupid. The one thing I don't get, and I feel we should have got it, that Baker has this crisis of confidence. Like, okay, if this isn't real, how about I go do this? Yeah. And I punch the fucking fishing yeah. store clerk right why about not I, try doing how these about that things? old drunk in the bar yeah and he sits in his spot and the bartender's like you can't sit in is his that spot. like his only thing in defiance is sitting yes. in a fucking chair it would have been cool slit <laughs> his throat or something <laughs> like, ah. if this is it if this isn't real i can do this uh um, it's like truman show yeah exactly it's it yeah. is a lot like it's very much like truman because the next There's, day everything restarts exactly so is it just me or do you think that samson constance's son he's very unlikely likable he's fucking so he spawns and Uh, like bigger drives away and then right when they're about to kill frank samson kind of just pops up and he's in the boat and he's in the boat and he's like hey mr dill i didn't think you'd mind or like i had to hide out fucking hayseed yeah i he lives in miami yeah patrick somehow calls his dad in the game and says he's gonna reprogram it so he can come visit i don't understand how does any of that work he broke the fifth wall he did he calls his dad on a video game payphone (laughs) to tell him that he's gonna change the game and then he does and then how do they hug on the dock so is patrick now an avatar an avatar within the game and his dad becomes like an npc like i don't know another thing like you asked me like what were the things that started making you think that this was not real and it was a game another good one was baker gets up at 5 a.m every morning it's the routine of the game it's 5 a.m he wakes up like two minutes before five and he can't move his body yeah and then when it hits five 
he's free to move. Uh-huh. It's another tell. You go back. I don't know if I'm going to watch this again, but maybe as I watch, I go, oh, oh, oh yeah, okay. right. It's it is really dumb. I mean, like, yeah. I, I, I like movies like this because the I'm movie just, looks like, great, though. Like, visually, yeah, it's stunning. cool. It's very like, yeah, it's very bright and it's it's cool. But I just again, ambitious. And, and let's just move this on to well, before we move on to legacy, the map of Plymouth. Yeah. It, in a cheeky sort of way, it uses the same font as Grand Theft Auto. Really? Yeah. Never so noticed you look it. at it. It's his Plymouth. It's the same Grand Theft Auto font. So legacy of this movie. I mean, they, it's very ambitious. They take a swing. It's maybe the dumbest plot twist of all time. Yeah. You just like the plot twist in the sexy fishing noir. <laughs> Is that it was a video game the whole time. I would like to go to a fishing village and go, would you guys, uh, you like Serenity? Is it sexy enough for you? You should go to a fishing village <laughs> and start asking the video game questions. Yeah. Like, where's the respawn point? Yeah. Is this real? Do you got rum here? I'm going to go to Putin Bay this year and I'm going to ask where the respawn point <laughs> is. Waldemir. Ask, ask where I can upgrade my weapons. Yeah, so not much of a legacy. I mean, it, to me, it's still it's three years old. So bonkers that McConaughey and Anne Hathaway both signed on to do this movie, and they both were nominated for Razzies. Razzies. Yeah. I don't think that's. I don't think McConaughey was bad in this movie. No, I mean like now Anne Hathaway. First off, she's not a blonde. She's better dark hair. I couldn't tell if she was fully committed to this role. It's there's a bunch of reunions in this movie like uh, McConaughey and Anne Hathaway had been in a movie together. Jaiman Hunsu and McConaughey were in Amistad together. So there's like a bunch of reunions and then again you've got Frank he just is like fuck yeah yeah Jason Clark he's just like I'm what he was in one of the Terminator yeah, movies. Yep. Yeah he pops up in like this and that and but he's just like well hell this movie's awesome I'm gonna give it my all like he, at first he reminds me of the bad guy from Too Fast Too Furious yeah where he plays a Cuban guy who's clearly not well, he's Greek or Greek. Yeah. Zariakis. Whatever. Yeah. It's really bizarre. I mean, so I'm not much of a legacy. I'd like to watch this movie just because it, it is so weird and bonkers and, but it's beautiful and it's bad, but it's bad in a good way. Just because this is WTF season does not mean you shouldn't watch these movies no. just for the fucking laughs and go, what is this? Yeah. How did, how did this happen? Before we step away for plugs, just remember that you can't spell advertisements without semen between the tits. Pool sceners, once again, thank you for listening to this episode of the show. And don't forget, as always, like, comment, subscribe, rate and follow Apple, Spotify, and Podbean. You leave us a five-star review and we read it on the air, we'll send you out a bit of a prize. Also, don't forget, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch. You guys are unsure how to get there? We have a one-stop shop now, and it's called Linktree, L-I-N-K-T r.ee slash pool scene podcast if you guys would like to contribute to the show in any way help for future content maybe even put it towards a cup of coffee for us there is a link at the top of the link tree that will send you to basically a tip jar we love you guys and thank you once again and now Back to Kevin. Final lap, guy. It's a beautiful day out on the ocean where you're watching. Oh, shit. Race cars driving by. Yeah. The final lap. I think uh, Plymouth Island might be perfect place for an F1 race. I would say so. Following our plugs, uh, we've got social media wars. So we don't need the whole story about what Elon Musk has done to Twitter. Uh. 
But even if Twitter survives, a lot of people are looking for what's next. So a lot of people are moving to Mastodon, but there's a lot of usability issues. It's not user friendly. I tried Mastodon. It's you have to go to a server. It is so complicated. The positive is that Mastodon bans fascists and Nazis. Yes. Speaking of fascists and Nazis, Hive is ran by a Trump supporting ableist. Are you fucking serious? Yeah, he's a real piece of shit. Ah, God damn it. So my experience with Hive so far, because I did sign up, Jim, I started following you. Yeah. Is that it's like, I would describe it as play school Twitter. It's like I, yeah, I Twitter without a bunch of the features, but then it's got like the same interface as Twitter, but like Instagram. It's like if Instagram yeah. had a Twitter timeline, but the bare minimum features. And like right now, it's almost unusable because I guess they've got a very small team who aren't really prepared they're over it chugs a lot and it just doesn't really work so maybe i'll see it through with hive i do counter social too but for me like as far as where i'm headed like i I don't know because currently twitter is my sole source of news like i don't watch the news i don't read the paper i don't look at news websites yeah it's rough dude i use trending topics and i stay in the know with my interests and twitter's so nice because you can curate what you want to see what you don't want to see you can mute words you can mute people you can like get rid of some of the bozos if you don't want the bozos so it's just very disappointing yeah that twitter headed in this direction we need tom from my we do we do where are you tom so just disappointing i i don't know yet what i'm gonna do i mean like there's always like nothing is twitter you know like reddit tumblr some of these other ones like discord yeah. Discord's like being in a group chat, you know, it's like, it helps if you do like gaming yeah, stuff, it's right. real UI friendly with that. Yeah. But so I, I don't know where I'm going. So Jim, why don't you go ahead and tell us what you've got going on in the uh, final app. Pool sceners right now at this point in the episode, I'm going to talk about Jason David Frank, the late Power Rangers actor that sadly and tragically took his own life last week. I want you guys to know that if there's anybody out there, if you need to talk or you just need somebody to listen to you, there is always somebody there that can help you, somebody that will guide you through whatever you are going through. And remember, there is always somebody out there to help. If you want to reach out to the 988 Suicide and Crisis Lifeline, it was formerly 1-800-273-TALK, which is 8225. That number will also continue to function indefinitely. But if you want to reach out and have somebody to talk to, the 988 Suicide and Crisis Lifeline will help you out tremendously always remember there is somebody out there who is willing to listen and talk to you and help you with whatever you need we love you guys just wanted to give you a heads up on what's coming next love you all a sad note that happened this past week kevin and i i don't know kevin if you as much as i but grew up watching the power rangers and you know when power rangers came out i was like 11 12 so i was almost at the tipping point yeah but uh you know watching mighty Morphin power rangers and just being blown away by the green ranger when the green ranger showed up you're like oh this dude's outfit's cool i remember that badass the green with evil series the five-parter and tommy becomes one of the power rangers and now i welcome our newest ranger Now that you are a true Power Ranger, Tommy, you must follow three basic rules or lose the protection of the power. First, never use your power for personal gain. Second, never escalate a battle unless Rita forces you. 
And finally, keep your identity secret. No one may know you are a Power Ranger. Count on me, Zordon. 100%. Here, I made you a communicator. Oh, thanks, man. You're one of us now. Welcome aboard. A new chapter has begun, Rangers. Let the power protect you. Jason David Frank, the guy who did play Tommy the Green Ranger, Tommy the Red Zero Power Ranger, Tommy the Red Turbo Ranger. He was also the White Ranger and he was also the Black Dino Thunder Ranger. Committed suicide at the age of 49. It's sad and I can't stress enough. You know, if you're having hard times out there, reach out. If there's something bothering you, reach out. Somebody out there will listen. Somebody loves you. Just remember, there are ways out. But I do have a funny Jason David Frank story. Kevin knows this. So we went to the Arnold, the Arnold classic we've talked about in Columbus, the bodybuilding expo. I believe this was in 2006. So we're going, you know, we're meeting Dana White from the UFC. We're seeing all these UFC fighters and there's wrestlers walking around. Then I see this booth and it's an MMA brand because everybody back then it was tap out affliction. Those were your two big ones. And I see this one that says Jesus didn't tap. And I look at Kevin. I'm like, what the hell? Really? Jesus didn't tap. Okay. I look, I'm like, Kevin, is that, is that Tommy the Green Ranger? He's like, yeah, that fucking is Tommy. I'm like, I, I feel like I should go over there and say something. Kevin kind of gives me a little bit of a push. I go over there and I go, hey, hey, man, what's up? How you doing? Ah, Tommy, Tommy. And I said it under my breath, I'm like, Tommy, the Green Ranger. And he's like, yeah, I was Tommy, the Green Ranger. And I could tell like he's ready to move on. Like yeah. he's doing his well, he doesn't Chris, have- Christian MMA brand. Yeah. And and he was super nice. And I felt weird asking. I just like, hey, man, you're a big part of my childhood. I just wanted to say thank you. You brought a lot of joy. And I felt obligated. I bought a Jesus didn't tap shirt. Yeah. And he took a picture with me. Super nice guy. Back then, this is 06. He didn't want to be associated with the Power Rangers. No, it was nice to see that later yeah. on he started to embrace that. He flipped the switch. Appearances. Yeah. yeah. He became a brand ambassador for the power rangers and you know rest in peace my friend 49 years old man i mean they're about ready to do a 30th anniversary reunion with the mighty Morphin power rangers and man there was nothing like the green ranger man he was the best all right and positive news when we covered goonies we had talked about how the oregon house used in the movie was purchased by someone who hates the fans of Real the asshole. movie Real I, I just why buy the house then because they put up signs saying like do not no trespassing it's like they just want to be an asshole exactly they didn't want people taking pictures they didn't want anybody visiting they well, didn't they put up like curtains or you something? See shit. They put up like some sort of tall curtains to block people block from the seeing house. Yeah. Fucking asshole. So the Goonies house is currently for sale from that person. Yes. Finally selling. Selling for $1.65 million. Eat a dick. It sounds like all of the current prospective buyers all have an interest to make it. I think sort of like the Christmas story house. Like a Goonies tribute house. Where man, I don't know if they're going to live in it or not. But yes, a place you like. That's cool. Cool. They're fine with people coming. Like, you have the statue to, with the, yeah, the dick taped upside yes. down. Wanting to look around, wanting to take pictures, wanting to visit. And I would imagine with Goonies 2 coming that it'll only more people will want to make that trek. I would hope that that would end up being like Mikey's house, like, it, you know, his, him well, and his see, wife. Yeah. So and then that's a, a thing, too, with it being sold right now. I wonder if somebody's going to jump on and saying like, hey, production, you're welcome to. You know, what's amazing. These people that currently own the house did not want this to be known as the Goonies house but they sure as hell took that Goonies house fucking money yeah right assholes I wonder if that was the point like I wonder if they knew they could flip it at some point yeah. or because why would you buy something like that then yeah. like I'm not gonna buy like I don't know 
Alf's house. Well, the Christmas Story house is up for sale. Yeah, it is too. Also, finish it up real quick. Netflix has announced they are going to do a series with Giancarlo Esposito. Love the dude. Awesome guy. Better call Saul. Never seen it, but he's fantastic. I remember him from Revolution on NBC. They're creating a series where you can watch it any way you want, and the way you watch it will determine how the story pans out. So, okay, I want to start at episode six. That becomes your episode one, and then the next thing you watch becomes episode two, which seems a little production nightmare, how you're going to be able to algorithm this out in order to have a conducive well, story there's there's video games i mean they've they've tried oh, things yeah. like this in the past choose your own adventure but video games have done the same thing like oh, people yeah. play through a video game five or six times yeah because they want that specific different ending. ending each time bioshock I oh think yeah is one and yeah there's different ending yeah pretty fascinating some different so speaking of something different uh next week i don't know if it'll fall under the uh, swim meet series umbrella but we're going to be doing something we've never done a special sort of of episode oh yeah <laughs> we're going to be we're entering the month of December. Oh, yes. We're, uh, we're getting not necessarily excited for Christmas, but getting in the uh, yeah. going with the flow of Christmas. Yes. And we're going to be going with the flow of alcohol, alcohol down our gullets. So, yeah, you're going to stick around, see what that is next week. And until then, Silencia.